Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Let's Talk Tottenham and a weird one today after the previous month in the fact that we are not talking about a loss. So we seem to stop that rock. We haven't got a win but you know beggars can't be choosers I guess but we should be beating Burnley at home if we're wanting to get top four. But the first half absolute shambles. Uh, Burnley are the form team in the Premier one of the form teams in the Premiership. Uh, but the, the half-time substitutions changed the game. We looked a lot, lot better, which fills me with a bit of positivity for the Leipzig Man United games and the rest of the season if we can play like that in the second half. Uh, and then Mourinho singling out and on Belay in the press conference afterwards, which caused some debate uh, <laughs> this week as well. No handshakes because of the coronavirus. Uh, so my thoughts on that absolute nonsense and the coronavirus as a whole. And Pizzagate as well, which happened, I think, in the Norwich game, FA Cup game, uh, with a guy eating a pizza at the game has, has caused some outrage from one moron who says that fans should be watching the game and not eating food, but yet this guy is more concerned about watching the guy eating pizza than the game, which, anyway. And then also there's a bring Poch back petition as well. So a lot to talk about. Again, any comments, questions, tweet at LTalkTottenham. Uh, but without further ado, let's talk Tottenham. So first off, let's talk about the game in the first half. Uh, there was no Lo Celso, so I, I thought there'd be no creativity, no Mora, uh, which obviously half-time that changed. So I, my initial thoughts of that were he's thinking about Leipzig. There were reports saying that he was going to say to Levy, you either want me to focus on Burnley game or Leipzig game. But I think he's focused on both. But it's it was obvious that he had the Leipzig game in mind. Uh, people saying he had five centre-backs, which, you know, that is true, I guess. But, you know, <laughs> two of them were, were full-backs. So even though they are centre-backs and one was a dive in the midfield... Uh, th sorry, three three defenders and then two full-backs. All of those were naturally centre-backs, but two of them weren't playing there. So you can, you can argue it's ultra-defensive in that way, but Vertonghen was getting forward in that first half and, and Tanganga in the second half. So I think that's a weak argument there. Uh, but the first chance came to us and it was a bit of an intricate move which which was nice to see being that you know against Chelsea we didn't have any of that but, uh, comes to uh, Ali who at the corner of his eye or, or he's looked up has seen Lamella behind him try to flick it to him it's just gone behind him so that was unlucky uh, but my issue with the first half mainly with the attack was you could fit a blanket over all of them they're all central they're all coming to short to get the ball to feet rather than anyone running and when Morva came on, which I'll talk about in a bit, that changed, but much the better. Uh, but defensively, like you know, the issue you have with playing Vertonghen and Tanganga as fullbacks is they're not fullbacks, so their instinct is going to be to drop in inside to where they're most naturally at home playing. So McNeil is is one of Burnley's big danger men. He's been a real success for them this season. Uh, but he was getting on, on Tanganga's side, spaced by the bucket load. Lamella, I think, was on that side, not tracking back at all. A cork shot in the first half showed that where it went out to him and Lamella just let him run. But there was no support for the fullbacks. So, yes, it's also 
the fullback's responsibility to say to the person in front, "Oi, get back, help me." But you know, and and the manager and, and you know tactics and all of that business. But it's also the player who, who has to want to do it as well. Um, but McNeil was getting joy constantly on that that left side of theirs. Uh, so you know, we had, they had a corner as well, which came from one of his crosses, I think. How it stayed out, I do not know. Uh, but we rode our luck on that way. Uh, although having said that, how uh, Norwich didn't score against Sheffield United with a, a fantastic three saves in the space of about two seconds by Henderson, they'll be thinking exactly the same thing. Uh, but talk about Henderson as well, because he had some criticism in the same way that Ndombele had from Wilder early in the season. So we'll talk about him a little bit later. Uh, but, you know, there's a lot of long balls to the forwards. And one in particular, it was Sanchez. It was a long ball to Bergwijn, so it was a good ball because it went to Bergwijn. But he was there with about three defenders around him and no one was busting the gut to try and help him or get involved and, and give him an option. And in, in the end, he either lost or he went out for a throw. But there's no runners. They're all running through the middle, coming for it, you know, deep and, and to feet in the centre. Uh and there were no runners in the channels, but then I can kind of understand that in a way as well, because without La Celso, and it happened earlier in the season without Ericsson, without that player who can who who you know is gonna find that, that ball and look to play those passes, players will be thinking, well, there's no point in me running and expelling energy because it's not gonna come, it's just gonna be a run in vain. Which I can understand, but when we did get the ball in that first half. It was so congested in that centre because no one was running. So even if you do run and it's run in vain, it opens up space. So you've got to do it. You, you've, you've got to do it because you're playing into defenders' hands there. Uh, but Burnley were always getting the second ball. Skip and, and Dombele were completely anonymous. I mean, there's talk about winning a midfield battle. They weren't even in the battle, let alone winning it. I'll talk about Ndombele later on. Skip, he's young, yes, but you've got to put yourself about, but you do need in the midfield too, the, the two of you working in a bit of unison and a bit of communication, which I'm not sure he was getting there. We looked so much more comfortable after the after the break when Dyer moved into there. Who He didn't look comfortable in defence at all, really. But then that's what I've been saying in re recent weeks, where he keeps changing the defensive line, so it's different players in, different combinations in, and, and they're not getting any communication there, really. Uh, early in Jose's reign, he generally played Sanchez and, and out of yield. So I thought, OK, keep them in. They're the main two. They'll get an understanding. Sanchez will get like, taught how lines to take, decisions to take from out of yield, who's more experienced. And then he's kind of constantly changed it in the last month. Sanchez, it has to be said, was, was fairly poor all game. He looked really, really nervous, letting it bounce which is just a criminal offence, really, in, in terms of defence. There was one where Dyer let it, Alderville let it bounce and then Sanchez let it bounce. It's just, you learn that as a kid to not do that. Um, but yeah, um, the goal, I mean, Jesus. <sighs> McNeil again, getting space. It was Sanchez going out to him. I have no idea where Tanganga was. And, and yes, it hit McNeil's hand after it hit Sanchez, but... Like that Man City goal that got disallowed earlier in the season, it's an absolute nonsense, that ball. 
where it's completely accidental. And, and in this case, I think they got it right, VAR and the referee, by giving the goal. Because it was a long, long time before the goal went in. So, yeah, you can argue if it hit his hand, they wouldn't have got the cross in, wouldn't have led to the goal. But, you know, it was a ricochet, point-blank range, and we should be doing better to defend the goal. And, and you know, you, you can tell sometimes if it's meant to be handball, if it's deliberate, and if it's not deliberate, this wasn't deliberate. But having said that, the header from Dyer was awful, straight down the throat of the attackers. You, you can't be doing that. You've got to head that out for corner, Head it out to where it's just come from, not down the middle. No one with uh, Rodriguez, who had the free shot. Good shot in terms of he caught it well, but straight at Lois. <sighs> a keeper of his quality should be keeping that, no problem. But if you're not going to, you don't palm it out straight to an attacker down the middle. You stick it out for corner or stick it out wide. Uh Unless in the middle you can see that all of your defenders are there, so it's going to go to one of them and they'll clear it. But this is what I've been saying like for a while now. We need a new goalkeeper. It, he's not good enough. Gazaniga makes errors. Vorm against Norwich. Jesus, what the hell was that? Like, you know, why he was playing, I don't know. It should have been Gazaniga in there, like rather than a goalkeeper who was who, who was let go on a free and then brought back. Um, but anyway... Need a new keeper in the summer. Lois has been good for us and he was superb in his day, but he's lost it now. I think maybe injuries or, or, or whatever, or he's just let his standards slip. Uh, but, you know, with a handball, what is the rule now? You know, is it a handball if it's accidentally hit or is it not? Like, it's just absolute stupid. But I, I think the goal should have stood. I mean, you know, you could argue with me that I should be biased and say it was handball, no goal, but. Yeah, come on. Uh, Dyer letting it bounce all over the place in defence and then Sanchez took over that in, in, in the second half. Uh, and, you know, Ali has, didn't have a touch in that first half, really. And I've been critical of Ali, but it wasn't his fault. He had no service. and He, he was supposed to be the central one, I think, between him, Bergwijn and Lamella. But then Lamella and Bergwijn were just staying inside as well. So it just crowded Ali out. There was no service. So, you know, even though he was poor in this game, first half, I don't think it's, you know, his passing, like 10-metre passing was fine and it was getting to the required person. So that's been my criticism of previous weeks and games. But that wasn't a criticism in this game. I thought he actually did quite well considering Ali. In the second half, when the two subs came on, there was more space and he was getting into the areas where you expect Halley to get into with making his runs and, and finding space. So the first half, I just don't think it helped him at all. We also had issues where Vatongan gets it in wide areas, put a, go to put a cross in, literally no one in the box or there's one person with about six defenders in the box. Like, <laughs> just... Either bust a gap to get there, or you know, have people forward. Like you've got three forwards there: Lamella, Ali, Bergwijn. It was one of them in the box, uh, and there was visible frustration from Vatonga in, in one of them. I think where he went out for corner or throw, where the, and there was no one there, and it was perfectly acceptable, like and, and understandable for him to be cheesed off by that. Just you know, like there's there's no one there. No one there. 
And I mean, that's just negative play, isn't it? You're one nil down. Thank, thankfully, the, the, the play got positive after the break with the two subs and then presumably the words at half time. But yeah, starting game slow, not not very good like that. And yeah, if you get people wide, you know the cross is coming in. Get in the box. So that was the first half, and Burnley were having shots all over the place, just getting second balls, and we just weren't closing them down or anything. And thankfully, the half-time whistle came, and we were only 1-0 down. And then, thank God, he made the change with Ndombele and Skip off, and Mora and Lacelso on. And the defence was back to the defenders that were used to being there, certainly the central defenders, without a build and Sanchez, although Sanchez didn't have the best of games, as I've mentioned. But I thought Dyer looked so much more comfortable in that midfield role. I know he's asked, apparently, according to reports, to play in defence. But when he did, he didn't look comfortable. Maybe that was because there were too many of them. Like, it's all right. He was he was absolutely fine in defence when under Pochettino, he was in midfield, but then swapped into defence to make a back three when we didn't have the ball. But And, it, and he was brilliant against Norwich as well in defence, but then there were only two of them there. I can't remember who his partner was in that game. But he, he was superb in that, which... But in this game, he looked so much more comfortable central defence. And, and we looked a lot more solid, I thought. But maybe that's because we were causing them a problem as well going forward. So they weren't getting as forward as easily and, and readily as they were in the first half. Uh, but starting off, Burnley was still first to every second ball. Uh, but then that changed. But like, what, what the Celso brought was creativity and, and, and a belief amongst the forward players that if you make a run, you'll be found. And what Mora brought was a was a willing runner, and more importantly, a willing runner in the channels, which that then created space in the middle, which allowed Lacelso to run with the ball and do his stuff. But then it also created space for people like Ali to get space as well, which we then weren't playing with a blanket over the front three because Mora was wide, Lamella possibly wider on the other side, but he wasn't as effective, so I'm not sure about that. But it's certainly more of a change to get... Like, the Celso got possibly man of the match. I can't remember who got man of the match. But certainly for Tottenham, I would say he, he was a big shout. But Mora as well. Because because of the runner runners and, and, and staying out wide and running the channels, he, he caused um, Burnley issues. And and all of a sudden, going forward, running quick. Lo Celso is a lot, lot quicker than I gave him credit for. There was one bit where he, he outpaced Hendrick and then a bit of composure at the end, gave it to Bergwijn, who tried to pass it to Ali, but I think Lamella got in the way, took it off his toes. But like he, he, he was leaving uh, Hendrick there for dead. But then Mora running with the ball. And then all of a sudden, Burnley, who weren't really having to make challenges on us, were panicking and all that, and they got like five yellow cards in the second half. Uh, the penalty came just after Burnley's first chance and fairly early in the half, and again, it was Lacelso getting space in the middle with uh, more of occupying wide areas, taking a player out of that middle for Burnley. Uh, and, and then players running. You, you, you look at that when Lacelso has the ball, all three forward players are making forward runs. You didn't see that once in that first half. And in a few, certainly in the Chelsea game as well, you didn't see that at all recently. Uh, but all three, you know, Lamella in space, good ball by La Celso, and whether he's meant to or whether he hasn't, he, he's he's made the defender make a decision there. Do I go for the ball or do do I try and hold it up? 
Whether he meant to do that or not, I'm not sure. Lamella kind of let it run across him as well, so it's partly him who's made the defender make that decision. And the defender makes the wrong one by trying to go for the ball, stretching for the ball. And it was a clear penalty. He clipped uh, Lamella's uh, left uh, ankle. Uh, it was a genuinely a, a, an attempt to get the ball, so no yellow card. And I think that was right. Penalty would suffice. Uh, but it was a definite penalty. And, and you know, the commentary on match of the day said we didn't deserve it and all that based on the previous play. But, you know, that's what subs and positive subs and presumably a positive message at half-time will do, you know. Because based on the balance of the second half, we deserved a goal. And I think a draw would be a fair result. Burnley deserved to be winning at half-time. We deserved to get back into the game for the second half. Uh, Ali took the penalty. 50th Premier League goal was waiting and it was a fantastic penalty right in the corner. Harry Kane would have been proud of that. Low, hard, in the corner, keeper no chance. Uh, he said after the game that in, in training for England, Pope always saves his penalties and he always tends to go the same way. So he's stuck at the other side. But I think unless Pope had gone really, really early and Delhi was looking at the ball and not changed his mind, I don't think Pope would have saved it because it was that good a penalty really. Uh, based on the penalties we saw, Norwich game, you know, very good. And, and you know, you know, uh, I've lost my train of thought here. I put notes down here and I've kind of uh, lost my train of thought. But then straight after that, really, Sanchez with a blatant push on Wood. Uh, first, first thought, what the hell are you doing? He's got his back to goal. He's not going to turn you and then put a shot in. What are you doing? Second thought, it's a penalty. And third thought is, what the hell are VAR looking at? If they have looked at it, which I'm assuming they did, and how have they not seen that as a penalty? Because it was a complete blatant push. It was just so stupid. But it just showed Sanchez's nervousness throughout the whole game, really, as soon as Burnley went forward. And... I was just, just stand behind him and, you know, get goal side. He's then forced to stick it out wide. You've got your full backs there who will go and close the cross down. And then trouble, you know, there's no trouble. But he decides to go and push him. How he didn't give a game, you know, absolutely unbelievable. But goals changed games and our penalty then gave us, a, we looked a lot more positive and looked very dangerous going forward, certainly on the counter attack. Uh, Burnley also looked dangerous as well, so it was a further neutral. I guess it was quite an inter entertaining game. Um, but more more went down after playing a one-two. Lamella, Lamella Lamella didn't look up and try to play it back to him. Should have just hit it himself. Ali and Bergwijn were pretty annoyed by it all. Uh, understandable, but like you know, trying to score a perfect goal all the time. There's no harm in just sticking your laces through it and having to pop yourself. You know, and yeah, Dyer in the central midfield, as I've said, picking up the second balls and, and you know, his last ditch challenge as well on Vidra, who, who looked good when he came on. Goal, goal saving challenge that. Maybe he let him go in the first place, uh, but then the challenge had to be spot on. Any mistiming at all, penalty, potentially a red card. Uh, but he timed it brilliantly and it was good anticipation of, of that Vidra would kind of turn out of field or whoever the defender was and try and get a shot in. Um, but yeah, 
And the, you know, the positive play that we had in that second half was was very, very pleasing. And people saying, oh, why didn't he start with that? And that, that is a fair point. That is a fair point. But I think, like I've said at the start, he had his eye on the Leipzig game. And he wanted to see if the players that he put out first off could do a job for him, were, were dependable. And if not, then he'd have to bring on the dependable ones, which is how it happened. But he said in his post-match as well, I think, that his plan was to give like Mora and Lacelso about half an hour just to keep their fitness up and everything like that. But they had to come on and save the game for us, essentially. Um, but he definitely had an eye on... on you know, and, and if you start them from the start, there's no guarantee that the game's going to go the way that you want. You're going to be 2-0 up with, with an hour gone and then you can rest players. So I think... I've done it on Football Manager before. I'm not saying that's anywhere near similar, but like it, it, it's the thought process of you've got a big game coming up. Like Man City do it. Man City do it and Liverpool do it. It's just that their squads are so much better than ours that it doesn't. you don't really notice that the top players aren't playing because the other players do a job and do the same job as those top players. Um, but yeah, so... But we should be beating Burnley anyway. The fact that, you know... The game wasn't lost in that first half because those players weren't on. It was lost because we lost the midfield battle and didn't have any energy in there, which we'll talk about a bit later on with a certain player. Um, but as soon as those two came on, we had the energy and, and we had an attacking threat, which we didn't have in that first half. People give Moore such a hard time on, on Twitter. Um, I've said before, he's like an octopus. Like he has too many legs running with the ball and he gets it trapped and confused between them. But... What people can't say, and if they do, they don't know what they're talking about, is that what people can't say is that he doesn't put effort in. And Norwich, you know, was it? No, no not, not Norwich. Wolves. Yeah. Uh, was it the goal? Yeah, it was Jota's goal, I think. Not Jota's goal, Jimenez's goal. He was done too easily and didn't track back, but... He's played a lot of games, a lot of games, so maybe tiredness. Like in the same way that Winks didn't have any part of this game yesterday at all, and, and Mourinho has said he's resting him and looking after him, so he will play and start against Leipzig. I'm pretty convinced about that. But Mora, you know, everyone has a bad game, so that Wolves part, you know, you can you can call it that maybe. But generally, he always puts himself about, he always puts a shift in, even if it doesn't come off and everything like that. So I don't think criticism of him is justified. Ali had a chance. Uh, very unlucky. It did take a deflection. I think Pope would have saved it though. But again, it's 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 the width that we had when when Aurier came on as well. He played quite well playing further forward, so he didn't have his defensive uh, frailties on show because he wasn't uh, in defence. Uh, but it was a good spot by him with Ali holding his run rather than driving into the box. That's where he's very good, Ali. His runs and his off the ball awareness. Uh, the shot did take a deflection, but like I said, I think Pope would have saved it. Uh, and again, the Celso shot, nice intricate play, just curved, just didn't have enough whip on it. But whether Pope would have saved it and got to it if it was going in, I'm not sure. But like it, again, it was it was good play, positive play, and it all came from Mora and the Celso. I think it was yeah, I think it was a uh, all three subs. I think it was Aurea down to uh, yeah, Aurea who found a. Uh, the one that Mora made, he then held it up a little bit, passed it to Lola Celso and just wide. Um, but Burnley, like, I'm basically talking here like Burnley weren't a threat in that second half. They certainly were. A great save by Lovis. 
Lois, Lois, who the hell is Lois? Uh, Lois, uh, another error from Sanchez, letting it bounce and letting it go. Uh, a brilliant challenge by Adderfield. Like It was a half challenge is what I'm going to call it because it, it didn't block the shot, but it took a lot of the sting out. But still, it was point blank, great save by Lois. And he pushed that one slightly wide or to the defender that he saw and we cleared it. So he, he's a good shot stopper, Lois, generally. The goal was awful. But generally, he's quite good in good reactions. It's just decision-making that's poor and his kicking is just nonsense. Um, so that was the game. <sighs> positive in the second half and positive play. It looked like we can score goals, which I was worried about when Kane and Sung both got injured, where those goals coming from. But it looks like we can score goals. But it was two points dropped because if we're trying to get this top four, we should be going away to Burnley and beating them. Uh, negative negative uh, lineup, yes, but. Yeah, Undombele plays central defender, uh, midfielder, but he isn't a, set, a, a defensive midfielder. He, he's the one who drives forward in the same way that the Celso was doing. But he may not have the passing ability that he has, even though he's shown it a little bit. But we'll talk about Undombele a bit later. But it wasn't a completely negative. But if he'd have been driving forward like the Celso was, then you'd have found front three would have started running, I think. Um, so a positive end to the game. Uh, to take us into Leipzig. Um, but yeah, two points dropped for our quest for top four. So hopefully Everton and, and Man City can do us a favour today um, and help out with that. So we are four points off, I think, four or five, before the Chelsea and the United game. Um, so hopefully we can, you know, that stop the rot and we can start going on a run now until the end of the season. So that's the game talked about. So have a little bit of half time, a little bit of a break. Talk about the other issues: the coronavirus, no handshakes, the Ndombele criticism, this pizza gate, uh, and the Leipzig game, and also Dyer with the going into the crowd. Um, talk about that as well. So back in a bit. And we're back. So that was the game talked about. Like I said, positive that we didn't lose after coming from behind, but should be winning that game, and it's two points dropped. Uh, but can't do anything about it now. So after the game, uh, I think that's what everyone is aware. Jose singled out and on Bele uh, for criticism, which I'm not a massive fan of, by the way. Like, regardless of whether it's justified or not, I'm not a massive fan of. Alex Ferguson show that you, you know you never criticise people in public. You leave it to the dressing room, you, you, you know, which Jose generally does. Starting off, he, you know, certainly when he started as as the special one, as he so called himself, he would he would talk absolute nonsense and be completely arrogant, and that was it was just an act because it was all to, to defend his players. So if his defenders had done something wrong, he never criticised them in public. He always just made himself the butt of the criticism and, and the anger to, from the fans and media and what have you. And then towards the third year, that's when it all starts to go wrong and he starts criticising players. But now he's done this after about five months. But 
with, with Luke Shaw at Man United, it was criticism, constantly criticism. So he's only had a go at Ndombele once. So if he keeps doing it and keeps doing it and keeps doing it, then you can say that's bullying, I think. But it seemed to me he's trying to get a reaction. He's trying to get a reaction rather than saying you're, you're shit, you, you're crap, sort yourself out. It's I think he's trying to get himself, get him a reaction from him, saying he needs to deliver more. And he did say as well that some players who come from foreign countries and foreign leagues find it really difficult to settle. So it wasn't like a criticism of you've been awful, full stop. It was a criticism and then saying he might find it find it difficult. But you know, people saying it's bullying and all of us all of that, but if you remember, Dean Henderson at Sheffield United made a howler for I think it was Liverpool's goal when they won one nil, I think it was. Yeah, I think it was Liverpool's goal and Sheffield United lost one nil. Now you can argue that it wasn't all his fault because the defenders and midfielders let Liverpool have the shot, but Chris Wilder then said he gave him a scathing telling off it to the media, certainly on match of the day that I saw, saying if he wants to be a top player, he's got to do better than that, blah, blah, blah. Now, Dean Henderson has been one of the best keepers in the league. So, Chris Wilder there got no criticism from that at all in the way that Jose is being called a bully and blah, 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 blah. He got no criticism, Chris Wilder, and then what it's done is it's fired Henderson up and he's been one of the most consistent goalkeepers in the league. So you can't not criticise Chris Wilder and then criticise Jose. Yes, Jose's got previous and experience and, and, and you know previous uh, issues with this area, but it doesn't mean he, he's just doing the same as he was doing. So I honestly believe he's trying to get a reaction, trying to fire Ndombele up. I'd be very surprised if Ndombele plays against Leipzig, though, to be fair. Because uh, it's a must-win game. So Jose needs to play the players he feels he can rely on. And I don't think Ndombele is one of those at the moment. Um, but yeah, like Henderson got criticised. OK, right, OK, I've got to buck my ideas up. Uh, and I think he's been superb since. And Chris Wilder, I can't remember if he got praised for it or not, but... He ne- either way, he didn't get anywhere near the criticism that uh, Jose's got for this. So, you know, if if it does fire and on ballet up, um, then it's a masterstroke, isn't it, of man management. But the issue with Ndombele, I don't think it's just fitness. I think it's attitude as well, which, I mean, if it's fitness, you, you can stick people in the gym and all that, unless it's like genetic stuff where people aren't going to ever get fit again, which begs the question, why are you a professional footballer then at the, playing in the Champions League? So he looked superb in that last season against Barcelona, Man City and other teams. So maybe the, the fitness of the Premier League week in, week out is, is too much for him and he just needs a season to cope and then and then he'll come back. I've got a friend who's a United fan and he said Fred was pretty much exactly the same and Fred has been one of their most consistent players this season and has come good. So sometimes you just need to wait. Uh, but yeah, I, I think his attitude, you look at him and he doesn't look to be really that bothered about closing people down, which if, if that's the issue, then that's a real big... Um, issue there if, if you know yeah I, I'm just I'm just it's a, it's a shame really that we've got the Euros coming up this summer because it would be much better for us and Jose and the players if 
he gets the whole summer with them, a whole pre full pre season, and then that burnt out or potential burnt out from playing late into the Euros. But yeah, whether if Undombele doesn't play for France, which I'm I'm not sure he will, being that he hasn't really been in our team that much, then it's perfect. You know, Mourinho might be on on punditry for some company or something like that. But if he isn't, then it's perfect. Get get him in the in the in the fitness room and get him up to fitness so that he's uh, ready for the summer in the Premier League. Um, but yeah, go, going back to Man United and, and you know, Fred was exactly the same. But I think. The way that Pochettino's turned us around and got us into Champions League regulars has now meant that some fans feel a bit entitled, I think, that we should be in the Champions League and should be getting these top players and, and getting the players starting to play as soon as they come into the club. As a matter of, like, well, that's the way it is. But you have to earn the Champions League places. You have to earn your, your wins. And, you know, even someone like a Didier Drogba, Dennis Bergkamp, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, they all had a season or two where they weren't up to par. Uh, you know, so it can happen, <laughs> Cristiano Ronaldo, so it can happen to the absolute best. Uh, look at Gareth Bale, it took him a little while. So, I hope we don't sell him, even though, uh, I think I've said this on before that we need to get rid of him, but I think that was when I was pretty angry at the result and, and let it settle. Uh, but hopefully we don't sell him, but if he doesn't, start to show like his form and class next season, then it's going to be a real struggle to keep him, I think, and, and, and struggle to keep him in the sense that how you can justify keeping him. Um, because, yeah, I mean, yesterday he just wasn't there at all. Whether, whether he's carrying an injury or something like that, which if he is, what the hell is he playing for? Which I can't imagine a, a club like this, a professional club at the top, playing someone who's injured. Um but yeah, so hopefully it's nothing to do with an injury. Hopefully it's not an attitude issue. And hopefully Mourinho's comments will fire him up and say, I'll show him. Hopefully. But the other things this week, the, the dive incident after the Norwich game, which, you know, if you look at that uh, footage again, he's gone up there. He's shown a lot of desire to get up there as well, by the way, like, but originally, the, the stories I, I heard were that was that someone was shouting racist abuse at Gedson Fernandez because of the penalty miss, which has has been unconfirmed. But like, it was an absolute shocking penalty and one that we needed. So why you're rolling it, I don't know. But like, he hasn't meant to, he hasn't gone up going well. I'm going to roll this and not score because I can't be bothered. So it's just one of them things. And he is young. But like, those rumours were unconfirmed, and then it's been announced that. He saw his brother getting insulted and then went to confront the fan. But if you look at the footage again, the way the fan runs away as soon as he realises Dyer is near him is just cowardly. Cowardly beyond all, you know. He's a professional footballer. He's not going to punch you because then he'd be banned for the rest of the, for a year. Yeah. Uh, my friend as well, you know, fan said it's very reminiscent of Cantona. Uh I disagree with that in one sense because Dyer has just had a shout at him and asked him to explain himself rather than Cantona who's kicking him. But then, like he did rightly point out, is you know, if he hadn't run off the fan, would Dyer have then hit him? Which could have happened, and then it is pretty much exactly the same as Cantona. So I'd be surprised if he doesn't get a ban, even though some fans think it's perfectly acceptable for them to shout whatever they want. Uh, 
but yet the, the, the recipients of that, of that abuse, the players, aren't allowed to say anything, even though they're human as well, which is just ridiculous. Um, but it just showed the fire that Dyer has, and a you know, fire that we haven't had in the team for a little while. So hopefully, him playing a few games now, he he can stay playing in, and because that fire, I think, and and you know. That, that effort and desire and everything like that is is essential in a team to succeed. You need something like that. You need leaders. And without Kane in, we haven't got that leader up top and, and defence is all over the place. So hopefully he doesn't get a ban. But if he does, I don't think he can complain. And we can't complain. Fans can't complain. Um, even though, uh, you know, managers get abused, you know, was it Ancelotti got a... A red card, didn't he? Although I think it's been rescinded for um, shouting at the referee the other week. Whereas Klopp screamed in the in the fourth official's face uh, yesterday's game doesn't get anything. But you know, there's no written rule that Liverpool can't get fined or, or sent off or do anything. But <laughs> I'll stop sounding a bit bitter. Um, but yeah, I've seen rumours as well on Twitter. There's a bring Bo- a Mourinho out and bring Poch back petition, which. I'll be nice, and all I'll say is absolutely ridiculous and moronic. But I, I guarantee, I pretty—I can't guarantee it because I don't know the people. But I would bet my car and flat that the people signing that petition are being potched back. The majority of them are the same people who were tweeting "potch out" uh, towards the end of last year. So it's just absolute nonsense and garbage, and, and you know. Nothing like backing the manager. He's only been in there five months, expecting him to win like five trophies because he's won twenty four or whatever in his career. And he's he's with a team that are stale, need refreshed, and he's had his two main goal threats chucked out of the team. So, I mean, the whole petition is just absolute garbage and rubbish. Um, but yeah, I'm not never sure on these morons who tweet absolute crap. Uh, whether they're being serious or just wanting a reaction like they're getting here, but they won't be listening to this, so it's fine. Um, but yeah, it's, you get a lot of it, and, and a lot of it is entitlement, which is wrong. But yeah, but I love Poch, but like bringing him back is just stupid. It just makes a mockery of the whole system. But like Mourinho needs time. He certainly needs a transfer window in the summer, bringing his own players, and, and you can't really judge him then if Levy doesn't back him and get rid of the players he wants rid and bringing the players that he wants and doesn't spend any money. If that doesn't happen, then whatever happens if we don't succeed next season is on Levy's head. Uh, if Mourinho has said, we need this, we need this, we need this, and he hasn't done it, but that remains to be seen. I, I think the way that we've been performing this season, even Levy must admit that, you know, I did see one tweet as well, which was refreshing that some, there's other people on Twitter as well, and, and, Spurs fans who appreciate what Levy and Enoch have done. And I'm not going to say who she was, but in case she doesn't want to be named, but but it's very refreshing to see that that is the case. Like there's a lot of Enoch out and Levy out, but like make no mistake about it. Have they done everything right? No. Have they made mistakes? Of course they have. But with, with their money and their their uh, business sense of not letting us go in the red and all that, making a profit and everything like that. And they have brought players in. Um, without them, there's no way we'd be where we are as a club right now. So 
it's not just Pochettino, not just the players that have got us to where we are. Levy, Enoch deserve a lot of credit as well. But they do deserve criticism for the lack of signings and, and lack of backing managers. And Levy certainly not getting Grealish when we had the chance and other players like that, but not paying three million, not getting rid of certain players. But you can't just say they're the, they're the, they're the reason the club is in... in dire straits which we're not in dire straits we're just in a bit of a pickle compared to where we have talking of being in a pickle as well the fans or certain fans just unbelievably stupid and just ridiculous it's like i'm sure you all saw i'm sure you all saw if you're on twitter that the picture that came up of uh, the fan eating a pizza at the ground i think it was the Knights game uh, and the guy who took it having a right old pop saying that he should be supporting the team and it's just the way that our fans are now, they want their Tottenham back and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. I mean, a guy at a football ground eating some food, like, I mean, we must alert the police. We must alert the, what an absolute, you know. But this guy was saying that the fans should be supporting the team and cheering the team on rather than eating pizza. But yeah, you know. And there's another one of these fans that I tweeted him saying, well, clearly you're not one of those good fans then because you're more concerned about watching a guy eating a pizza than watching a team. And then obviously, because I didn't get a response back or anything like that, so I imagine he was just potentially just looking for reaction or just saying something like that in the heat of the moment, which is stupid, and then realising it's stupid but can't defend himself and, and, and can't, you know, say that he was wrong. And it's just, you know, people like that, just morons and no time for them who people who make mistakes and criticize other people openly demand apologies from them and then you know when they do stuff wrong no uh, no apology nothing like that and then just cover it up with other nonsense and lies but yeah but uh quite damning thing to say but like you know we all know people like that i'm sure if you're on twitter but yeah like i mean Eating food, like, he doesn't know the guy's situation. The guy could have, you know, got given a ticket by his friend, never been to the game before, the ground before, rushed from work, just got there by the skin of his teeth, needed some food, you know. Because his, his argument was as well, if we'd have scored a goal, pizza would have gone everywhere on un, unfortunate people. It's just, really? You know? It's just literally stupid. So stupid, but, you know, we score a goal there's a guy who's, who's bought a pizza and needing a pizza to have some food going to chuck it all over himself and chuck it around no he's not he's going to get up and cheer but make sure his pizza's alright and you know speaking from my experience it doesn't take me long to eat a pizza slice at all but maybe that's how I've been told by a friend I eat like a goat so maybe that's why you know and eat like a bit of a farmyard animal but you know I mean, no pizza, what are we going to say? No pizzas allowed, please, at the ground. No food allowed in the ground, please. Uh, eat your food uh, inside the stadium, you know, where the food stalls are, and, and you know, support the team, you know. Uh, what then? No pictures, please. Uh, watch the game. No taking photos, no texting. It's just absolute nonsense, and you know. But, yeah, it's a bit of a rant there, so I'll stop there. And let's go on to another one. So there's no handshake rule uh, that's been brought in to <laughs> try and stop the spread of the coronavirus. Uh, <laughs> laughable, really. No handshakes, fine.
But yeah, every time someone scores, they're high-fiving, hugging and all that. I mean, there was an incident in our game yesterday where uh, I think there was a foul or Jeff Hendrick went down and then Jan uh, uh, Vertonghen picked him up by the hand. Like, you know, send them both off, stick them into quarantine. Quarantine now. So, you know, saying there's no handshake, that's fine. But then it's 1% of the game because the rest of it is all a contact sport and, and you know, high-fives and hugging when <laughs> the goal's going and then picking people up when there's been a foul. This whole coronavirus, like I listened to a podcast a little while ago, uh, Chris Jericho's podcast, uh, Talk is Jericho about the coronavirus, a couple of people saying it's all um, a lot of media nonsense. Uh, not saying I completely agree with the whole thing, uh, but there are a lot of points on there which uh, did sound plausible when they gave the reasons. So I just think... like. Uh, if it was really, really that bad, China would have been in lockdown. I don't mean parts of China. I mean flights would have been going in or out. Uh, no one would have been getting out of China. No one would have been getting in. Uh, and if they were worried about similar areas and the closer areas, those countries would have been with those restrictions as well. Uh, but it's essentially, from what I've seen from the, uh, uh, the symptoms, it's the flu. But then if you have uh, respiratory problems, that can cause complications as well. So essentially it's the flu, and in, in the, the flu kills a lot, lot more people, you know, in percentage of how many people have those symptoms uh, you know, than this has. Yes, it's a new thing, so that number will grow and that percentage will grow. But, you know, people now bulk buying toilet paper and, 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 and you know, ration, Tesco rationing things. I also heard as well that operations, major operations, minor operations, sorry, will be cancelled until this is sorted out. It's just like, really? I just think it's just a lot of media nonsense to create fear and then which then creates control. Uh, so, you know, whether it's control that supermarkets aren't doing well, so they create that fear and then people go and buy loads of stuff in the supermarket which they wouldn't normally do. But it's just a load of nonsense. It's essentially the flu, which old people and young people are more susceptible to that about, and more susceptible to that with the flu, and the same with this. Um, but you know, and uh, anyone with respiratory problems. But it's, it's essentially the same. So, like, if you have the flu, you stay indoors. You don't go outside. You, you, you know, I suppose that's a self-quarantine thing. But you don't go and bolt by toilet paper, and you know, it's never mentioned in the media and everything like that. Um, so yeah, I just think it's a lot of media nonsense, but like, I love a conspiracy theory, so if you do listen to Chris Jericho's podcast, Talk is Jericho, because it was even if you don't agree with it, I've, I do think it's very interesting. But a lot of it don't, did make sense and, and was plausible, the same way that if, if in about three months I don't expect it to be in the news or anything at all, because it's just one of these things, you get all these massive viruses that come through, so you had Ebola, you had SARS, you had bird flu mad cow disease and then after a few months they'll go away but I, I just think it's just a load of media nonsense which they've completely embellished the fact that it's the flu or, or something or a strain of the flu and basically used it to try and scare and scaremonger and, and everything and, and it's just people are going mad about it now but there's no handshake thing it's just absolutely ridiculous because the rest of the game there is contact they're talking about like you know this England's friendlies not being cancelled. It's just like those friendlies aren't for a few months. It'll be fine. Uh, it's just absolute nonsense. Uh, but yeah, 
I realised for about the last 15 minutes I've ranted quite a bit and, and, you know, probably waffled on quite a bit, so it possibly doesn't make that much sense, but, you know, whether people actually listen to the whole of this thing and get to that far, I don't know, so... But at least it gets off my chest, so that's why I'm doing this podcast. Right, so a lot more than just the game to talk about this week. Uh, so he'll be pleased to know I'm finished. No more vans from me. Uh, next up is Leipzig in this Champions League. 1-0 down already with the away goal that they've scored. So we have to score over there. Uh, but before the Burnley match, I was really, really dreading it. I mean, the Norwich match, we, we sat back against Norwich at the bottom of the league after going 1-0 up. You want to be killing the, that team off. Not going to extra time, killing the team off, and then you can rest a few players. So sitting back, very, very poor. Uh, completely the other way, one nil down against Burnley, and then you know got back into the game. Lucky not to win, but I think the draw was a fair result. But it's two points dropped, like I've said, and we should be winning that game. But it fills me with a lot more confidence going forward that we looked like we looked dangerous. We the issue that we had against Burnley is if Kane or Son were playing, we'd have won that game because we'd have had someone up there who was clinical. Uh, quick mention on Troy Parrott as well, who played against Norwich, and then Jose comes out and said, now people have seen, which I think was a bit cheap. Yeah, yeah, you said he's not ready, and he didn't do that much, but then did anyone really? He was still, he didn't really have a chance. His penalty was unlucky. I was, I was willing him to score that just to get it out of his system. But then people forget that you know first penalty that Kane took for us, I think, was against Aberdeen in the Europa League years ago, and he missed. And you know the rest of his career hasn't panned out too badly. Um, but yeah, Leipzig. I mean, they looked really, really dangerous going forward. Which hopefully Mourinho's taken notice of that that we didn't match them up, and then we 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 gave them too much. They had more people going forward than we had back. So hopefully he can match it up. Maybe three at the back, which. It's a risk being how awful we looked against um, Burnley, but he said that that was because um, Dumbele didn't give us enough, so hopefully if we have someone else in there other than him, have Mora and La Celso on, then we can still play three at the back, look compact, look, look uh, solid, and a threat going forward and get ourselves a win. And then Man United at uh, home next weekend, I think next Sunday, which is a massive game for the top four, so win that, win that and beat Leipzig, then our season has completely turned around, really, in the last couple of weeks. So hopefully that can happen. Start off with Leipzig, turn that around, get a win, get through to the next round, uh, and then do the same to Man United. So come on, you Spurs. Uh, you're allowed to eat pizzas at the ground as well. That's fine. Um, don't, don't think that you're not allowed. It's fine if you want to eat pizza. Uh, you won't get arrested. Uh, but yeah, two big games coming up. Come on, you Spurs.